you have your paper Bibles tonight, tonight we're going to have a lot, everything on the screen, so feel free to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to do that right now, we're not going to leave Ephesians tonight. Uh, tonight's going to be a kind of an overview, but before we get started, I'm going to pray. Please bow your head with me as I pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace, thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, for your compassion, and in all of that, Lord, you sent Jesus to pay the price for the sins of his people. And I pray, God, that tonight you would be working in hearts and drawing those who, whom you have uh, called to yourself. And uh, for those of us who know you, Lord, may you just uh, cultivate more and more of a love for you tonight. And may we see the themes that just emerge, emerge and explode out of this text. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we began Ephesians, okay? We did the opening, okay? Verses 1 and 2. Uh, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we looked at that and, and what that meant. Now, Paul is going to go into this lengthy section that we're going to talk about. And there's no way we're going to teach all of these verses tonight. Um, we're going to spend the next several weeks going through these verses in great detail. But I think it's extremely helpful for us to go over all of them tonight as an overview to kind of see what we're seeing. How many of you uh, are in Sunday school? Raise your hand. Sunday school. And if you're not, uh, we invite you to come out. We're, we're going through uh, hermeneutics or the study of the Bible, how to interpret scripture. Okay. One of the things that we're going to get into very soon in the weeks to come is the steps which are observation, interpretation, and application. And the very first step, observation, is simply what? Well, what does it mean to observe? To look at. Yeah, to look at. See what's there. To be like, oh, I didn't, wow, okay, cool. And so tonight, we're going to do a lot of observing, or we're going to see kind of just what is so obvious and was popped right off the text at us. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing tonight together. So, main themes. Most New Testament letters have an introduction or a salutation, which we saw last week, a thanksgiving, and then an intercessory prayer. Ephesians has those plus a doxology or a section that is all about glorifying God for who he is. No other New Testament letter has all three, has these plus so I guess that's four. I can't count. So it has all four, okay? Um, no other New Testament letter has that. So Ephesians is just packed. This is a 202-word sentence in the Greek. How many of you like English? Wow. Okay. So if you, if you write a sentence, and it's not like those of you who are maybe stinking English, if you were writing a paper... And you turn in a, uh, a paper with 202 words in a sentence. Are you going to see a lot of like red marks maybe? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you know what? God, God inspired this. So no one's going to mark up his page. Okay. There, there's a point to this. He's packing this section with truth. 202 words. Which is why the section's so unbelievably overwhelming. Which is why we're going to take it piece by piece. Now I know some of this is Greek to you. But... It's the whole point is to kind of show you how packed this, this section is. 32 prepositional phrases in one sentence. 32. Tw uh, 21 genitive expressions. Don't worry about what that means. But the whole point is just to show you how ridiculously rich this one sentence is. Six relative clauses. 
Usually in a sentence there's like one. Five adverbial participle clauses. My main point, it's a massive sentence packed with truth, okay? That, if you don't get any of this, that's fine. I want you to get this. Massive sentence packed with truth. Now, the English writers put periods and stuff in that, but again, the original Greek, one sentence. What is the main point of this entire section? Somebody read me verse 3. Just start reading it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, so, praise be to God, who has blessed us in Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. So it's all about praising God. God the Father is worthy of our praise and blessing. He states it in verse 3. That's the main point. Why is he worthy? And this is what this entire set is all about. Have you ever thought about why is God worthy of my undivided devotion where I get no idols, I get no other gods, I don't get to worship anyone but God? Why? Well, Paul's going to expand on why. And it's a big fat why. This whole letter is the why. But this whole sentence is simply introducing the letter. So if you ever wondered, you know, here at this church in Christ, all you, you tell us that God is worthy of everything and that I'm the most satisfied in him and that I should be living my life to glorify him and I should repent of my sin and believe in Jesus Christ and trust in his gospel and follow him with, with my entire life. Why, Chris? Paul's going to tell us why. Okay. How has he blessed us? How has he blessed us? What are these blessings based on? What are the blessings? How did he accomplish these blessings? The next several weeks, we'll walk through all those questions and more in the, in the text to come. First, like I said, we're going to look at large themes and truths just emerge out of these texts that tell us about salvation. Because that's what this entire text is about. Paul introduces salvific themes that will be explored in even more depth all the way through chapter 3. So consider this sentence is introducing chapters 1, 2, and 3. Paul uses repetition. Those are things you look for in observation. Redundancy and rephrasing in order to draw our attention to several themes that are just bleeding out of this text. So, we'll quick, really quick, we're going to read it. Follow along with me, please. Look at the screen or down in your laps if you have a Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, 
we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. One sentence. That is one sentence. Now, really quick, when I met with uh, some of the representatives from this youth group, I asked them, uh, what did you guys think of the lesson? And they said, we really like visuals. It helps, okay? We really like visuals. So this week, instead of having you look at your lap and try to like sort all this out, I'm going to be highlighting portions of this to give you visuals, to see the main themes that I'm talking about, how obvious it is, okay? So here we go. Main theme number one. Pay attention. God is all throughout this text, and because it's about salvation, salvation. So God is all throughout this text, and all about all throughout salvation. Look at this. God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who? Talking about God. Christ, He, Him, Him, He, Jesus Christ, His, His, He, Him, His, His, He, and so on and so forth. See how see, see all that red? That's all talking about God. Check this out. Uh, observations. God is mentioned 33 times in 12 verses. 33. That's unbelievable. Almost an average of three times per verse. That's, that's a lot. Only the God of the Bible. Notice this. No other gods. This would have been extremely foreign to the Ephesians. Remember last week we talked about the background and emphasis and how they had all these gods, upwards of 50, and all these different gods that they worshipped in their lives were mentioned in, 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 in the temple and the, in the things that they participated in. God, only God, Yahweh, is mentioned in this text 33 times. Okay. Next point. All members of the Trinity are a part of this text and therefore salvation. All members of the Trinity, all three, are part of this text and therefore salvation. Check this out. You got God the Father in red. He, Him, He. Every time you see red, it's God the Father. Jesus is in green. Jesus, Christ, Him, Jesus. The Beloved, talking about with, uh, with the article, it's Jesus Christ, God's Beloved. Him, Him, Christ, Him, Him. Holy Spirit. Spiritual blessings. That means the blessings are spiritual. They come from the Holy Spirit. Then you have the Holy Spirit. And then who, doing the action, is the guarantee of our inheritance. Okay? So all members of the Trinity are involved or a part of your salvation. All three. It's all about them or Him. The, the, the three in one God. Observations. Okay? All three members of the Trinity are present. The Father 16 times. The Son, 13, and the Spirit, 3. God is the primary subject throughout this entire text, and hence, salvation. What do I mean by that? In English, what is the subject? You have subject and you have the object. Those are two easy ones. The subject usually, what? Who does the action, the subject or the object? Who does the action? The subject, right? And then whoever receives the, the action is the object or the indirect object, right? God 
in this text and in salvation is the primary and almost always the main subject. Not you or me. It's not something we earn. You don't work really hard or try to do really good or do your best to earn salvation. You're not the one doing the action. God is. Check this out. Jesus Christ, who has blessed, even as he chose, in love he predestined, with which he has blessed, which he lavished upon us, in sight making known, which he set forth, in time to unite, in him we have obtained, that's passive, that means this was done to us because of God. Having been predestined, the action was done to us, the purpose of him who works, and we're sealed. Those are all God's actions. He's the subject there. God is seen acting at least 12 times in 12 verses, in 12 verses. Other times are implied. At least 12 times in 12 verses, God is seen acting or doing an action in the work of salvation in our lives. Next, we, therefore, are the primary object throughout this text, or believers are, okay? If you're not saved, this is not you. Doesn't mean it can't be you or won't be you, but if you know Christ, this is you. If you don't yet know Christ, this is not yet you, but it will be you. We are the primary object throughout this text. Text, check, check this out. Same sort of thing. Has blessed us, chose us, that we should be. He predestined us, blessed us. We have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses, lavished upon us, making known to us. We have obtained, again, passive there. Does everyone understand what passive means? Okay. There's an active action. It means I went grocery shopping. Like that's an active action. Passive is like Keegan gave me a high five. Keegan high fived me, did the action to me. I didn't do anything. I just went like this. Okay. That's passive. Same thing. God's doing it to us. All right. Observations. Believers are recipients, recipients of God's works or actions 15 times in 12 verses. Okay? Those are the other three that are implied. 15 times you in this text or a believer receives something from God. 15 times in 12 verses. Next. Jesus Christ. Please get this. Please get this. Jesus Christ is the mode and the means through which God accomplishes salvation. There is no salvation apart from His Son. Check this out. Who has blessed us how? Say it. In Christ. Chose us how? In Christ. Adopted us as sons or daughters how? Through Jesus Christ. The beloved. And then how do we have redemption? In who? In Him, okay? Set us forth in Christ. Unite to unite all things in Him. We have, we have obtained an inheritance. How? In Him. Set our hope in who? In Christ. in Christ. And when we heard the word of the truth of the gospel, how did we hear the word of the truth of the gospel? In Him, okay? And we believed what? In Him. Over and over and over. Jesus. 
Jesus, 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 okay? It's all about Jesus. This is how God, the Trinity, has chosen to accomplish what he has done. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Observations. We, if, we're, if we are believers, are blessed in Christ. We are chosen in Christ. We are predestined for adoption in Christ. We are redeemed through Christ's blood. We are forgiven through Christ's blood. We are united in Christ, have an inheritance in Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit in Christ. There's an obvious pattern here. Salvation is planned and worked out by God, including who is saved. Some people don't like this. It's in the Bible. Salvation is planned and worked out. So it's planned, you, God has planned what he's going to do, and then it is done and accomplished by God. And that includes who is saved. Check this out. He chose before the foundation of the world. He predestined according to the purpose of whose will? Our will or whose? His will. Okay? Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of whose will? His will. According to whose purpose? Okay. Which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Okay. We having been predestined to the purpose of who? Him who does what? He what? He works all things according to the counsel of whose will? His will. And who did the sealing? Who? God. God did the sealing. So, in salvation, who's the one that does the work and who's the one that does the planning? It's God. It's all God. Observations. God is in control, not the human being. If you have a friend or a family member or you, you know, and this individual does not know Jesus, and you're like, I don't get it. You've been in church your whole life. You've heard this a thousand times. What is going on? It's because you and that person are not in charge of salvation. God is. So that leads us to what? To pray. Because who's the only one that can do anything in salvation? Who? God. Yes. No rituals or getting the gods to do things for you. Again, foreign to the Ephesians and foreign to us. Often in this country, we worship idols like sports or like hobbies or like people of the opposite sex. And in this sinful culture, people of the same sex, okay? And we're doing these things hoping that when we worship these gods, they will give us pleasure. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. And this is not in Ephesians. God's entire plan of salvation existed before the world was created. Before there was an Adam or an Eve, God had this figured out. Already planned. Already a part of his sovereign plan. Okay? Our only role in salvation, look up please. Our only role in salvation is to hear, believe, and to hope in the gospel. Okay? Our only role in salvation is to hear, to hope, and to believe in the gospel that God has given to us. The good news, okay? Look at this. You have all this stuff going on and then finally here at the bottom. 
so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. That's it. Done. No more. Nothing else we do. We hear his plan or his gospel. Okay? Some of you have heard it a thousand times and still reject it. We have hope in him, not our actions, in him, in his plan and what he has done. And we believe in him. And we're going to see in the weeks to come that even, even this, this, and this are works of God, not works of us. Because if God did not cause these things to happen in our heart, we never would do them. Ever, ever, ever. I, pr I promise you, at 17 years old, if God did not meet me in that room on a Wednesday night and shatter my heart into pieces, I never would have submitted to Jesus Christ. Ever. I was living my way, period. And there's adults in this room who will tell you the exact same thing. There's teens in this room, by God's grace, that will tell you the exact same thing. That you will never, ever submit to God's plan if he doesn't shatter your heart. Before our actions are mentioned, 11 verses of God's actions are mentioned first. And that's something. All that God does before we're even brought into the picture. 11 verses in this big, fat, 202-word sentence. Again, no rituals or works. This text teaches that our salvation is for whose glory? God's. God's. How about you? When you see that in Ephesians chapter 2, that no one may boast, it's not about you. You don't get any credit. If you're sitting here thinking because you're a believer, man, I'm so glad that I understand this. You know, I can't believe that these morons don't. I can't believe they chase after those idols. Apart from grace, you're in the same boat. Apart from grace, you and I are Judas. Apart from grace, you and I are Lot's wife looking for the world. Apart from grace, we are the worst people in the Bible you can imagine. Apart from God's grace. So there is, this is for God's glory. Look, look at this. This is only mentioned three times, but it's spaced out beautifully. To the praise of His glorious grace, so that we might be to the praise of His glory, so that we might bring glory to God through our salvation, and that when we acquire our inheritance, to the praise of His glory. That's the theme. It's all about God. Observations. We are not the focus of salvation. Salvation is, is for you, but it's not about you. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you understand. It's all about God. It's all about God. Salvation is not a self-help, pat yourself on the back kind of a deal. It's not about trying to be a better teenager or being a better child or being a better youth group, whatever. It's not about any of those things. You'll frustrate yourself to no end if you try, 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 apart from grace. It's not about those things. It is about God giving you a new heart and then Him getting the glory. God did it the way He did it for His glory, not for our complete understanding. Some people say, I don't understand how God elects and chooses people and yet it's still our responsibility. Let me ask you this question, okay? Think about this. Would you want to worship a God that you could completely and fully understand? Would you? Because if you fully understood that God, wouldn't that make that God either you or something that you're superior to? I mean, why would you worship something that's just like you? Or that is as smart as you? 
God is so far above us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Okay? It is all about Him. He privileges us with revealing to us the mystery. We saw that. He's, he's letting us know about this, that this is all His plan, all His glory. What a privilege it is for Him to reveal this to us because He didn't have to. And yet He did in His grace. <clears throat> Conclusion. Okay? Verses 3 through 14 are a section of praise to God for his salvation that he has accomplished. God is throughout all this text and salvation, okay? All members of the Trinity are present in this text and salvation. God is the primary subject throughout this entire text and salvation. We are the primary object throughout this text and salvation. Jesus Christ is the mode and means through which God accomplishes salvation. Salvation is planned and worked out by God, including who is saved. Our only role is to respond by hearing, believing, and then hoping in the gospel. This text teaches that our salvation is for God's glory. Okay? Now, I do not expect you to memorize all of this. I know this is a lot of information. That's a lot of verses. The whole point is that as we now walk through this text together, when I bring these things out, some of these things will pop in your mind. You, you already heard it once. Okay, It's kind of going to be brought back up. Now, we're going to take an approach probably that we're going to look at the, the, three, the three members of the Trinity and what they have done. So the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Might do an extra one in there in terms of dividing one up or so, but that's kind of the approach that we're going to take, okay? Now, for those of you who take notes, I'm going to leave this up. If you want to write these down, that's fine. If you want to take a picture, that's fine. I'm going to leave this up. Any questions at all? No, nobody wants to be that person to raise their hand. Anybody have any questions? Okay. So, we're going to pray. And you're going to go to your small groups. But I want you to get this, that these are the themes that run throughout Ephesians chapter 3, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace towards us in Christ. Thank you so much for revealing to us this mystery, Lord. Without you letting us know, we would not know. We would be selfish and prideful and think that we accomplished something. Lord, I pray that you would devastate our pride, show us that this is all about you, all for your glory. Um, I pray that Jesus Christ would be seen as, as, as the center of all of this and the one that you have put forward to accomplish this. I pray, God, that you would um, help these themes to just kind of penetrate and sink into the teens um, as we go into the next several weeks. Please bless the, the small group time that we're about to have, and may it be uh, honoring and glorifying to you.